This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast, hosted by Lisa Bontesumi, and it's all about mental health in sports. This podcast is presented and produced by Sports Epreneur, part of the CADSource Network. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazmov, the founder of CADSource and the creator of Sports Epreneur. And we're hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. If you would like to be featured on this show or one of our many other shows, or if you are looking to create your own content, please reach out to us. You can find us at sportse.io or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Lisa Bontasumi is a psychotherapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. She's the first ever mental health and performance coach for Oakland Roots SC, a men's professional soccer team in the USL. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Ath Mindset, and she's the host of this podcast, Athlete Mindset. What's up, everyone? I am excited to be with Colin Johnoff today. He's the founder and CEO of Athletic Fortitude and has played football at Bucknell University and the University of Pittsburgh. I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you. Welcome and thanks for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Anytime I, I get a chance to, to talk about anything mental health, performance psychology, I'm ready to dive in and get after it. Yep, let's go. And that's what we'll do. So where did your interest in these spaces come from? Yeah, great question. So for me, you know, with my story, like you said, played football at Bucknell University, played football at the University of Pittsburgh. I also had the opportunity to be in rookie minicamp with the Buffalo Bills. So really, I guess the final straw, because the interest dated back for years, and I can dive into that story a little bit later, but for me, the final straw was when I got cut from the Buffalo Bills. For me, it was an identity crisis. For me, it was, even though anyone that you could have talked to might have said, yeah, Colin's not going to play in the NFL. For me, that was all I ever knew. It was the only thing I felt confident in. It was the only thing I, I truly felt I was good at. And to get cut after four days, you know, just sent me into an absolute identity crisis. So it put me in a dark place for a little bit. And it got to the point where I was just like, I can't live like this day to day. I can't be miserable. I can't, you know, be wallowing in this pit of self-pity. So for me, it was like, I have to figure out why I'm going through this. Has anyone else gone through this? Uh-huh. And how do I get over it? And through that, you know, I started educating myself, started talking with different psychologists, sports psychologists, and really just educating myself on what I was going through, uh-huh. who else may be going through it, and, and just really find a way to, to power through and, and begin to build that fortitude. No, I love it. I mean, I don't love that you went through that, but I love your response to it. You know, there's a reason for everything and the dark place. Sometimes we need to move through to get to the light. And so you're not alone. I think it's so important for people to hear that and that a lot, a lot, a lot of athletes go through this at any level, whether it's not being able to play high school anymore, not being able to play club, collegiate for you, pro. Because there's a way that the society, our society, says pick one and stay there, right? right? And so when we're there, and it's not because of our own terms, but we're forced to leave the sport for whatever reason, there is an identity crisis if we don't have any other identities involved. So I appreciate your openness and vulnerability and, and sharing that. What does athletic fortitude mean? Yeah, absolutely. So 
the main premise behind it was I became obsessed with the idea and the premise around fortitude, right? So everything is built around fortitude because I believe it's something any athlete, any human, any high achiever can develop, right? It's not something you're born with. It's not innate, but it's the ability to really just fight through any adversity that you could potentially go through, mental, physical, emotional. Fortitude is what's going to get you through it, and it's going to be what's going to help you excel through it, right? And then adding the athletic piece, right? You know, whether you're an athlete or not, whether you're a high executive, I believe everyone is athletic in mind. What I mean by that is having the cognitive flexibility to deal with certain things in your area. Uh And I believe that there's a certain element that athletes bring to that table. And I think everybody can develop an athletic mindset. Hmm. I agree. And you know, I do. (laughs) That's why we're on this call together and sharing the space. So you referred earlier to maybe some other experiences besides getting cut from the Buffalo Bills that maybe challenged you or led you down some moments of adversity. Could you speak to a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The big thing for me and anyone who knows me uh, knows uh, I've been dealt the hand of just always being injured, you know, for Mm. eight straight years, you Mm. know, from the time I was probably longer. So from 12 to 23, I think every year, except for one, either broke a bone, tore a ligament, had multiple concussions or needed surgery. And when those things happen, you see the physical side of them. You see me in the brace, the surgeries, you know, whatever the case is, you see me limping on crutches. What you don't see is the, the mental or, or an emotional toll that those mm-hmm. things take on you as an athlete, right? So dealing with that feeling of worthlessness, you know, developing self-doubt when you grew up never doubting your capabilities because you could do whatever. And just learning how to kind of cope with those things. At the time, I had no idea how. And, you know, there would be times where, you know, I'm calling my, she's my wife now. She's my girlfriend at the time. In tears in bed when I'm in college, just like talking about how much pain I'm in, not knowing how I'm going to, you know, get over this, not knowing if I even want to play anymore. Dealing with those emotions is really tough, particularly, like I said, when your whole identity is wrapped in the sport. Mm-hmm. You can't play to your best abilities. Every time you go out there, you develop performance anxiety because you're not healthy, right? So that's where my interest began. And then my breaking point was, like I said, when I got cut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we can't underestimate the emotional and psychological impact of injury. And I don't think we talk enough about the mental recovery process. Like you said, you got your brace, you got your rehab, everything going on from the physical aspect, but inside that loss of identity, that that depression, the feeling confused, you know, not grounded, all of that stuff. What do you think helped you through the mental recovery of yeah. those multiple injuries back to back? Absolutely. I think in... The big thing for me was when I tore my ACL, right? Because I had a number of broken bones, you know, played through injuries throughout college. But my junior year at Bucknell, I tore my ACL. And I remember sitting there, waking up from surgery, looking at my leg, all braced up, wrapped up, and just thinking, there's no way I'm going out like this, right? Like for me, it was, there's Mm -hmm. no way my career is ending today. There's no way that I'm not going to come back better. Now, what I wish I knew back then was going back to the identity piece. I think in one of our pillars, that athletic fortitude, if not the main pillars, everything ties back to your identity. So for me, the problem was my entire life, I was outcome identified, right? I based my yep. worth, I based everything on 
my successes. You know, if I failed, I was a failure, right? All these different things yep. tied, tied to outcome was my identity. And what mm-hmm. I really wish I could go back and do now is tie my identity to my work ethic, to my ability to respond to failure, to my perseverance, all these things that I developed after going through these injuries, right? Because I was just kind of mm-hmm. figuring out as I went. But the advice I give to anyone and what we really work on in our community is let's identify with things that we can control, not things that we can't. I couldn't control that I would get hurt. All I could uh-huh. control would be my preparation to avoid injury. In the event I did get hurt, control my rehab, control my mindset coming back, control the things that I can control, right? And so for me, I wish I could go back and understand that. But at the same time, if I didn't go through all this, you know, maybe I wouldn't be in the position to share the things I've learned and dealt with with the people mm-hmm. who are going through it now. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I love that there's emphasis on identity now. If we fast forward and we're going to go all around different places in this conversation, what are your identities now? Absolutely. Like I said, I identify at its core with being the hardest worker in the room. I'm going to be tenacious, right? I'm always going to be the person that you can count on to work their butt off, whether or not they're successful or not, right? So I'm chasing fulfillment in everything I do in life. I'm not worried about successes. I'm not worried about failure. No matter what, I'm coming same morning or I wake up in the morning, same mindset every day. I'm going to do what I need to do to win today. And I think no matter what, no matter what happens to me in my life, I can always come back to those core principles. I'm the hardest worker. I love physical challenges. I love mental challenges. And I love emotional challenges. So no matter what I'm doing, no matter who I'm working with, no matter who I'm going against, whatever the case is, scenario in my life, I can always go back to those core principles, regardless of success, regardless of failure, regardless of adversity. And I can control those aspects of my life. I love that because what you're saying is that your identity is in your values, in your characteristics, in who you are as a person. That's your identity. And no matter what it is you're doing, you're going to bring those internal sort of intrinsic, again, characteristics, values, beliefs forward in everything that you do. I think that's so important because the one thing in common all those have are that they're in your control. It's a choice you make day in and day out. And no one can stand in the way of you doing that. There's no, (laughs) only you can. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. There's also other identities that I'd like to highlight. I mean, you said you have a wife, so you're, you're a husband. Yep. You're probably telling me more a son and or a brother. Correct. Yep, both. Yep. Yes. Okay, awesome. Are you a father? I am. I have okay. A, a beautiful little two-year-old, two-year-old daughter. Oh, what's her name? Her name's Mariana. Mariana. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. So in those other identities that are defined by who you relate to and how you relate, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you bring a version of who you are as a human forward. And I think that's really cool in so many ways. And I think it's important for people to hear, young kids especially. Absolutely. You design your own identity and that you can work on it and develop it while you're expressing yourself in the world. And they they can guide you in that expression. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's a concept I use, identity diversification, right? 
So you can look at it from a number of different lenses, but in the lens that you just, you know, portrayed, I am a husband, I am a father, I am a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a nephew, Mm -hmm. I'm all these different things to a bunch of different people, Uh right? Where I take it even a step further, those, even though I am all those things, the truth is, in the reality, those things can all still be taken from you. And it can Uh be crushing, and it can strike that blow. Uh So what I try and do even more with my identity diversification is, who am I to these people? Who am I to my daughter? I'm a leader. I'm a figure. I'm a representation of strength and protection to her. You know, I'm a companion to my wife. Uh I'm someone that she can lean on and depend on. Right? So again, going back to the characteristics, because those are the only things I truly can control. God forbid anything happens to any of my loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not saying it's even going to take the pain away. Nothing can take that pain. I can't even imagine. But it goes back to, again, finding things that I can control that really can't be taken from me. So every characteristic mm-hmm. to who I am, to whatever it is that I'm doing, I have the ability to identify with that and control that. It puts me in a perspective and in a place where I can maximize those things to those people who need me to be certain things. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's in your control, what's not, the process, the journey over the outcome, appreciate every moment of it. I mean, these are the points that you're emphasizing, which are super important. I know I'm going to quote you right now. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have said athletes are seen as gladiators. That doesn't mean we aren't normal people with normal thoughts and emotions. Tell me more about that quote. Absolutely. So you see us on TV, right? And you see us, particularly, let's look at football. And you see grown men running into each other (laughs) between 15 and 23 miles per hour. You see Mm -hmm. the collisions, you hear them, you see the blood, you see the sweat, you see the screaming, you see the emotions. But what you don't see is the Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturdays before the events. Uh You don't see all the training, all the hard work, all the determination that goes into things, all the film watching. You don't see what happens the night after games, the pain, you know, the struggling, getting in and out of bed, getting in and out of your car. You don't see all of the things that make us regular people. You know, and the quarterback series, I think, did a really good job on Netflix highlighting Mm. some of the human elements. Like Uh we talked about earlier, a lot of these gentlemen are their husbands, their dads, their brothers. They have other people that don't look at them as just these warriors on a field who are willing to, to fight and compete. Uh-huh. You know, there's an empathetic side to these people. There's an emotional side. There's a human side. And I think that really gets lost in fandom. Now, while sports fandom is phenomenal, it's what makes the games great. The environment's really cool. It provides a, a tremendous number of jobs for people over different networks and uh, social media. Uh-huh. But what gets lost is we have real emotions. It's really hard for an athlete who just trained their butt off for nine months, plays in a game, has a bad game. They know it. Their coaches are telling them that they struggled. You're watching film, you're critiquing yourself. And then I open up Twitter to try and get away from things. I get death threats. I get people telling me I suck. I need cut. I should give Mm -hmm. up. I'm worthless. Then it's just this constant negative reinforcement. And the point I always make to people who are so quick to criticize is how would you feel if someone in your place of work just stared at you 
from nine to five or whatever your work hours are and told you you sucked. Now right. tell me, would being a multimillionaire take the sting away of that? Because that's right. everyone's rebuttal. Right. Oh, they're multimillionaires. Well, yeah, sure. They do have a lot of money. But when it comes to the emotional mental side of things, the truth is money's not going to take the pain away from some of these other adversities that we're going through. Money helps in certain areas of life, but when it comes to the pure mind, money it, you know, it isn't really going to take away certain pains. No, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And thank you for articulating it in that way. I think that's really digestible for people and real, you know, and people think like, yeah, if they have all this money that can buy them quote unquote happiness, it doesn't. People can attest to that. And not everybody makes a millions of dollars either. You know, right. there's the practice squad, there's yeah. etc. you know, and if I went to my job, and my boss was watching me like that from that's micromanaging. <laughs> yep. Right. And lightweight harassment, right? right? So you spoke to social media though. How would you approach what are like two tips maybe for younger athletes, maybe not even younger athletes, collegiate professional athletes, healthy ways to manage their social media? Yeah, absolutely. I think social media, I always say, is the greatest and worst thing ever created. Mm -hmm. I think social media can be super powerful. I also know it can be maybe the worst thing that you can do for yourself. So any advice I give to anyone is start controlling the things that appear on your timeline. Mm -hmm. You block people who bring nothing but negativity to your timeline and start following things and putting things on your timeline that are positive in nature, whether it's mindset, whether it's physical health, whether it's you know just general people that you like and want to connect with. Keep everything positive on there. The only critiques that you should have as an athlete are from your coaches and for those who you would ask advice. Anyone else, get their negativity, get their criticism, get it away from you. Get it off your timeline and just begin to follow anything that creates a positive in your life. Anything that's going to help you move forward, anything that's going to help you develop fortitude, that's everything that should be on your timeline. That's everything that should be on your, your Instagram pages, your TikToks, whatever it is that you use flood those things with positivity and things that are going to help you learn and grow. Period. The end exclamation part. I mean, like that, that's really, really good advice. Cause really what it is, it's a community. Yep. It's a virtual community, maybe for some people, but all members of your community need to be positive and to be able to support you for who you are and what you're doing. So I think that's excellent advice. You and I both know that this month is national suicide prevention month. When you think about that, what comes up for you? Yeah, I think the big thing with that is for people, and you said it earlier, you're not alone. Hmm. There's resources out there. You can get help. Don't be afraid to open up. Don't be afraid to call someone, whether it's in private or public. Make sure you get help. There's tons of resources out there. All it is is a, you know, a Google search away to get you to the right person, to the right hotline, to whoever you need. The resources are out there and you're not alone. Thank you so much. I will take the time to highlight 988, which is a crisis hotline. You can text or call that number. You don't have to be in crisis. It was created to be the equivalent of 911 for physical emergencies, but I don't want people to think that you have to be in crisis to call it or text it. So wanted to highlight that today with you, with us. Appreciate also that. to say, yeah, of course. And that 
having suicidal thoughts, ideas, even wanting to attempt are extreme manifestations of depression. And depression alongside anxiety are, are the top two most treatable mental health disorders. And so if we look at it that way, suicide is also very treatable. But we can't do it alone. Like you're saying, we have to be able to reach out, know the resources, know how to take care of ourselves to be able to prevent that. So thank you for taking the time with me in this moment to speak to that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. If an athlete or anybody, for that matter, was interested in learning about athletic fortitude, would they have to have certain things going on? Or for what reasons are the main reasons that athletes or folks in the sport ecosystem would reach out to you about athletic fortitude? Yeah, great question. So there's a couple of different elements in which we work with people. So we have a private community right now that's specifically designed for professional and Olympic athletes. And in that private community, what we do is we create cohorts, four to six people. We meet virtually and we discuss anything from, you know, that they're dealing with from a mental health perspective to performance psychology. And the power of it really is the group. The idea Uh is to get elite minds around other elite minds who've experienced certain things. And we're there to really build one another up. You know, they say that you your environment shapes who you are. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. Get everyone in a more structured, stronger environment, and we can lift each other up. Then there's the other part of the the company. And that's a lot of that's driven through writing, through content creation. So mm-hmm. every week there's a newsletter that comes from Athletic Fortitude. There's a written piece on tips, tricks on, on how to deal with certain mental aspects of building fortitude. And I like to lean on Uh that word fortitude because that's really Uh everything we believe in. So that's the other side of it. We send out a weekly newsletter. There's written tips and tricks. There's playbooks that we design that we can put out as well. You have to be a member to get those playbooks. And that's really how we we get after it. So we're designed to help the professional and Olympic athletes, but also any other athlete or anyone else who wants to be a high achiever, anyone who wants to get out of the rut they're in, that's where all the content side is for, where they can get access to those things. I love it. Thank you for doing what you do. I think it's super amazing and important. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, we're aligned in so many ways. And so it's so cool to just be able to sit down and have this chat. For those who don't fully get it. So I, I can see maybe a young and be like, Mommy, I'm listening to this podcast, but he keeps saying fortitude. What does it mean? How do you break that down? What does that word mean? So fortitude, what it means and what the way I define it is the ability to look at adversity and just power through. It doesn't hold you back, right? So fortitude in itself can be developed. You can learn the Mm -hmm. skills to develop fortitude to not only survive, but to thrive through anything that's thrown in your way. Right. So fortitude is the ability to really break through. And it's a concept similar to being anti-fragile. Right. And that's not to say that we don't have feelings, we don't have emotions, but it's to have the strength to be able to recognize your emotions, recognize your feelings, and choose your responses. Yeah. So with fortitude, we're trying to develop the skill set to enable athletes and those alike to really become the ultimate achievers of a strong mindset. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for breaking that down. So a little bit off script, and just to ask, I saw you turn your hat around. Do you play golf? 
I do play golf. I'm not a great golfer. I will say, speaking of injuries, I actually have, I had a knee surgery a few months ago. I have another Gosh. one scheduled in a couple weeks and then another one six weeks after that one. So it's been, Whoa. yeah, it's been a struggle on the golf course this summer, nonetheless. But uh, I'm actually thinking about teaching myself to swing opposite handed so I can get back on the golf course playing the way I like to play. Interesting. We have to make those adjustments and pivots, the responses yes. to adversity, right? I, awesome. Yes. I ask because I'm a new golfer. I'm just like, what? I got invited to like play 18 hole course for the first time ever for this benefit golfing. And that was like mm-hmm. my first exposure besides like I put yep. to it at all. I okay. came to find out that it's like a course that like professionals play to qualify for the next level in PGA tournament oh, type thing. Very nice, yeah. And I was like, why am I here right now? Like, I can't <laughs> even see the flag. It's like three miles away. But it was a good sort of like breaking in. Yeah. And so I thought it was cool. And then I put my eight-year-old son into like a, this camp that we offer in our town, which is really cool. And so he's been asking, can we go hit a bucket? Can we go like on the nine-hole course? I'm like, sure. And so like, you know, we're <laughs> playing cool. together. It's really cool. I'm teaching him to like use his breath, you know, as he approaches um, any uh, hit. And so it's like, we're learning the clubs. It's super cool. So anyway, I had to like, and shoot, it's one of the most mentally like challenging sports out there, in my opinion, you know, so. Completely agree. Working with golfers is probably, I would say any individual sport is my favorite to work with golfers in particular. Just a totally different oh, nice. mindset. Yeah, totally different mindset in which you have to approach your sport. And that's what's that's what's really cool about it. Yeah. How about tennis? So Same, huh? yeah, tennis, you know, really Olympic style sports. You know? Yep. But tennis, yep, same thing. Being able to just hyper focus on the individual play. It's always the next play, the next mm-hmm. play. And learning how to figure out how to really hyper-focus on mm-hmm. the single play, not worrying about for golf, however many strokes you're down from the person you're playing against or how perfect the shot needs to be. Can't think about it that way. Can't yep. think about a tennis player, you lose a serve or you're down however many sets. Can't think about it that way. It's always just, hey, how can I put myself in the best position right here, right now to win this point? That's, That's right. It's so easy to say, so unbelievably hard to do. Exactly. It's easy, but not simple. Or right, vice right. versa. Simple, it's yeah, simple, simple but not but easy. Not easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So are you watching the U.S. Open right now? I admit I haven't been able to watch nearly as much as I would like. Uh, I've been okay. pretty slammed with, with some work stuff recently. But once we get to the finals, I'm going to make sure I set some time aside to be able to watch that more intently. Yes, yes. I've been enjoying watching the women and the men. Um, if we talk about mindset, you know, yeah. Carlos Alcaraz, I mean, as a 20-year-old, He's what the heck? Like, yeah. what is going on right now? Like, what am I watching? He's he's amazing in so many ways. And and it's like, I always like to watch the, his interviews at the end because I get a little glimpse of who he is as a human. Because it's so different, right? I think that's yeah. how it is with a lot of our the athletes that we see. The persona is a certain something to like mm-hmm. get in their flow and to compete at that level. And then they come out and they're getting interviewed and it's like, oh gosh, he's just a kid. You know, and right, like exactly important to remember that. Yep, absolutely. And I think too, with the persona, like you said, match post game interviews, it's really hard because so many of those emotions are still flowing through, yeah, and through your veins. And yep, 
you put a mic in front of them and it's so hard to rationalize the appropriate thing to say. A lot of athletes, if, when you see them outside of the media or outside of sports, like their competition, totally different types of people. Yep. Or if you totally. get them in a controlled setting and you're able to like ask them questions when they're actually able to sit and think about it and not have an insane amount of emotions flowing, you get to see more of their personality. And that's what I've loved about the the podcast YouTube channel game is you're starting to see these athletes more for kind of who they are as people as opposed to just who they are as athletes. Exactly. Exactly. It seems to me, and maybe I'm overthinking it because I watched his match last night, was that he had a bit of a routine knowing he was going to get, you know, go to center court and have an interview, like changing his shirt, putting on mm-hmm. his little zip up tracksuit, putting on his little Nikes, old school Air Jordans, like changing out his shoes before he goes out there that like, maybe that's a moment of being able to transition from being on the court and winning and all that that is and being able to calm yourself for a conversation. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so that goes to a concept that I like to use with people is creating different personalities for different situations in life. Mm-hmm. So for example, when my alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning, it's I'm someone who gets stuff done and I write that under my alarm. I'm the guy that gets stuff done versus, okay, I'm around my daughter. I'm someone who's extremely compassionate, empathetic, mm-hmm. right? So it's being able to use elements that we have in our personality. It's not being fake. It's just right. giving it a specific purpose and a time and place to use it. So I don't know if he, he does that on, I didn't get to watch him, you know, do what you just explained, but for him, that might be something that he does. That might be his way of saying, okay, when I, put these shoes on when I put this shirt on, I'm a different person than when I'm out here playing. Uh If he does do that, and if he has someone in his corner teaching him that, that's awesome because it's super powerful and it helps you be who you need to be in certain areas of life. Yeah, I wonder. I'm not going to make any conclusion if that was intentional or not, but the fact that he did it and maybe he's taking some breaths there and like maybe saying, okay, I have time to be in my emotions about this match, but right now I'm going to be in this moment and transition to this real quick. And these these actions and behaviors I'm doing help me to get to that point. You know, whether it's conscious or unconscious, I think it's powerful and, and would be even more powerful if it was conscious and like that there was that intention there. But I think it's fascinating, all of that. I'm wondering... As we sit here now with all the knowledge and experience you have from the mental health side, the sports psych side, if you could tell your younger self, like maybe even before your first major injury, like what would you tell him about the journey he's about to go through? Yeah, I would tell him that you're about to go, you know, through a journey that you don't expect. You're about to achieve things that you never thought that you would achieve. And you're going to end up in places you never thought that you would end up. And it's going to be a fun journey. And the journey's still going to continue. And you don't know where it's going to end. Love it. Love it. If I was that kid, I'd be like, oh, cool. What? Like, right <laughs> on bushy tailed, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Colin, it's been my absolute pleasure to hang out with you, have this conversation and learn from you and just and be with you. So I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Like I said, love having these conversations. So thank you for bringing me on. Athlete Mindset is part of the CadSource Podcast Network. At CadSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. 
Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching Source on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the Source Podcast Network. 